With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 11th of October, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, those good folks at Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield are a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're normally geo-blocked from, or if you've got Netflix, open up the entire Netflix catalog to you. So there are things that are not available in your region, but are available in other regions. You get your Liberty Shield VPN, you set it to the location that has what you want, the content you want. Bob's your uncle, there you go. Or, like I say, you can get around your geoblocks. So if you're a UK expat, and you live in Spain, and you want to watch Match of the Day every Saturday night, but can't because when you go on BBC iPlayer, you get the message that says this content is not available in your country. Well, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that because you can set the VPN to a UK IP address. The old interwebs thinks you're in the UK. BBC lifts the block and you can watch what you're watching. Perfect. And it's easy. And with the software package it's instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away with the hardware package that's sent out to you you plug it into your router you connect whatever devices you want to change the ip address of to that new router and there you go go to libertyshield.com right now and use the code epl25 that's epl25 to get 25 percent off at checkout we're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. Do also remember to listen to a tad predictable on this feed every week and the EPL Roundtable podcast on its own feed, which comes out early in the week and pre and reviews the weekend's games, whereas Tadiwa will preview what's upcoming. We had one Premier League game in... Sorry, last night. I'm still offended by this game. In the year of our Lord, 2022, 
one thing none of us could have predicted was be that Ashley Young would be the best player on a pitch of two expensively assembled teams. Now, Ashley Young, at his peak, was the best player in a number of games. Uh, but that peak was about eight years ago. He is 37 years of age. And last night was the best player on the pitch. He he just was. He kept Brennan Johnson largely quiet. He was involved in a lot of Aston Villa's better play. Now, it wasn't good play, but it was their better play. And he scored an outstanding goal. Uh, Nottingham Forest went one up through Emmanuel Dennis, a brainless free kick given away by Mings, and then Mings managed to managed to lose Dennis. Uh, and Dennis's header from Gibbs White's free kick put Forest one up. Seven minutes later, shambolic defending in the Forest uh, penalty area. Not really sure what Ryan Yates was trying to accomplish with the diving header and then feigning injury. Uh, but Young picks the ball up on the edge of the box, gets it out of his feet and wraps it into the bottom corner past Dean Henderson, who has no chance. Um, all things considered, the draw was probably the fair result. Now, Villa had more of the ball and more shots, but I thought Forrest had the better quality chances. Villa look very stagnant, and that's been the problem with them all along. There just doesn't seem to be any fluidity to how they play there's no real purpose with how they play uh john mcginn has fallen in love with charging down the right cutting back onto his left foot and floating aimless balls into the box and that seems to be the primary creative outlet for aston villa just float balls into the box and hope something happens Forrest now weren't much better. Um, I'm really not sure why Steve Cooper continues to pick Steve Cook. There is absolutely no excuse for it. Maybe he's waiting on Niakata to come back. Um, maybe he's waiting on Loic Bade to get up to full fitness. There's absolutely no excuse for playing Steve Cook. Joe Orrell is better than Steve Cook. And Oral Mangala is better than both Koyate and Ryan Yates. I mean, you're weakening your team with these selections. Um, and he's going to have to get it right soon because new contract or not, Forrest are in a, a less than ideal situation. They are 19th in the league. Now, at least that put to bed the run of defeats. So, you know, they've picked up a point. They've got five points, one more than... Leicester, one less than Wolves, two less than Southampton. Uh, Villa are 16th. They have nine points from their nine games played. They are behind Leeds and Crystal Palace on goal difference. Two points clear of Southampton and three clear of Wolves. But they have not been good at all this season. Now, Look, pro-Gerard people will point to four games without a defeat. But this Gerard thing goes back further than just the last four games. Villa have won four times in the last 20 league matches under Steven Gerrard. And that really isn't acceptable. For the money that's been spent... 
for the talent that's in that squad, that really is not acceptable. And when you look at the teams they've beaten, it's hardly a who's who of the Premier League's best. It's Southampton who are considering sacking their manager and may well get relegated this season. It's Everton managed by Frank Lampard, who's one of the worst managers in the league. If not the, I, I believe he's the worst manager in the league, though Gerrard is giving him a run for his money. It's Norwich who got relegated last season and Burnley who got relegated last season. Before that, they beat Leeds, who were looking like fairly certain relegation candidates last season. That same Southampton team, again, Everton, and Brighton. So Brighton is the only good win there. Oh, and you can go back a little bit before that, and they beat Norwich. So they beat Norwich twice, Everton twice, Southampton twice. Leeds, Norwich, Burnley, and their one good win against Brighton. Under Gerrard, they've beaten Brighton twice. That might be the most surprising factor in all of this. They beat Crystal Palace, they beat Aston Villa. So under Steven Gerrard, they have four decent wins. And the rest should be expected wins. But I mean, they've also got really poor defeats and really poor draws like drawing with Burnley in the second to last game of the season at home having just beaten them less than two weeks beforehand that is a really poor result uh, this season um, losing away to Scott Cardigan and Bournemouth who were a travesty at the start of the season it was a terrible result L- drawing with a Forest team that were floundering is a bad result for them. This is a better result. This 1-1 is a much better result for Forest than it is for Villa. And when we look at Gerrard, who's now overseen, I think, 38 matches as Villa manager, which is you know basically a full season. 13 wins, 8 draws, and 17 defeats. 13 wins. Four of them are good wins. The rest are wins that Villa should get in their sleep. Has he been in any way an upgrade on Dean Smith? I'm really not sure you could make the case that he has been. I'm really not sure you could. When we look at what Frank Lampard has done at Everton, he's been in charge slightly less length of time. Um... I believe for Frank, it's 32 games. 12 wins, 6 draws and 14 defeats. So in and around the the same as what Lampard has done. Now, look, there will be people that will make the case. Oh, but Everton fans are delighted with what Lampard's doing. That's because Everton fans are used to garbage. They've just come to accept it. Everton fans have very low standards. Very, very low standards. If you put in a shift, Everton fans will call you great. Leighton Baines put in a shift for a decade, and Everton fans try and make out he was some sort of great left-back. 
Tim Cahill is an Everton legend. He's bang average. Leon Osman is an Everton legend. Bang average. Duncan Ferguson is widely considered an Everton legend. The man is one of the all-time flops in football. Moved from Dundee United to Rangers and flopped and got sent to prison. Everton signed him the first time for a huge sum of money at the time. And, I mean, he did okay. He scored one in three. His best season, he scored 11 and 29 in the Premier League. He went to Newcastle and he flopped there. And then he went back to Everton and it's undeniable that he flopped. 30 goals in 140 games. Uh, slightly better than one in five. For his Everton career, he scored 72 goals in 272 games. That's one in four. Almost one in four. That's not good. Like, that, that's not a good goal-scoring record. And yes, scoring goals was what he was meant to be doing. To give you an idea of how bad he actually was at Newcastle, they bought him for $8 million and less than two years later, they sold him for 3.75. Dreadful. Dreadful. This is the standards that Everton have for their players and their managers. Like, they love David Moyes. Didn't win anything. He was there 11 years, 12 years. Didn't win a thing. Nothing. But he's an Everton legend. Multiple seasons battling relegation under Moyes. Legend. Frank is not a good manager. Gerard is not a good manager. And it is their reputations as players that A, got them jobs, and B, keeps them in jobs. Now, Everton, to their credit, have been grinding out some results of late. But the football is awful. It's rudimentary. It's naive. And when teams start to figure it out a little bit more, they will start to get slapped. They will start to get slapped. Everton are playing bottom half teams and parking the bus. Like they played Forest and parked the bus. At home, they played Brentford and Leeds and parked the bus. They've got two wins this season. A very fortunate win over West Ham and they did beat Southampton. In the game they got largely outplayed in. But Everton fans will celebrate this because they have no standards for their club. They scrape by Fleetwood in the cup and Everton fans think that's a cup run. Like This is where we stand with this team. Anyway, speaking of no standards, it's time for Gareth Crook's team of the week. Uh, he's picked David De Gea in goal. Seems like a bit of an odd choice to me. Uh, not really sure I can get on board with that inclusion. Uh, Everton had two shots on goal in the game and scored one goal. 
he made one shot. One shot. Oh, one save, rather. One save in the entire game. The one from James Garner. That's all he did in the entire 94 minutes. Uh, he's picked Koulibaly. Not really sure why. Uh, Wolves didn't really attack a whole bunch. Uh, he's picked Dawson. He won a penalty. I assume that's why. Um, he was dreadful in the first 20 minutes as Fulham tore West Ham apart. Um, he's picked Joe Kinsale. He scored, so that's why he's in. Uh, he's picked Phil Foden as a wing-back, a right-wing-back, by the way. This is the man that plays left-wing for Man City, but he's right-wing-back in Garth's team of the week. He's picked Bruno Gomerich, no problem there. Uh, he's picked Miguel Al Almiron. Uh, he scored, he didn't have a particularly great game. As I said yesterday, the scoreline massively flattered Newcastle because Brentford gifted them three goals. He, did, he was okay, wasn't bad or anything, but shouldn't be in the team of the week. Uh, he picked Coyate. Not really sure why. He wasn't even the best midfield player on the pitch last night. Uh, he picked Mikhail Saka. He did score two goals. Outside of those two goals, he didn't do much. Costa Simicus did really well against him. He scored a tap-in and a penalty. Didn't really do much else. He's picked Cristiano because he scored. But outside of his goal... Didn't do anything else other than stand offside and have a tantrum. And he's picked Kai Havertz. Now, Kai did play well, and obviously he scored, so that's why he's in. But once again, with Gart, this is just absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. So I'm reading the description of why he picked Craig Dawson, and literally the entire thing is about the West Ham penalty that Dawson won. So he's put him in his team of the week for winning a penalty because Andreas Pereira was a moron. Nothing to do with his actual performance. I mean, it's just nonsensical. Yeah, it, 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 these are just un nonsensical picks. The man is an idiot. Uh, we'll do winners and losers from the weekend. First winner. Uh, I suppose you've got to say Arsenal because they went top of the league again. Um, now, they've been top of the league to start the weekend, but City had overtaken them with their win on Saturday and Arsenal with the help of referees. A uh, referee and linesman, I should say, officials uh, managed to claw the way back to the top. So, you know, credit to them. Uh, second winner, I think Spurs. I think to bounce back after a bad defeat to Arsenal and then drawing in midweek in a fairly uninspiring game, to go to Brighton and win when Brighton haven't lost at home in seven months and the last team to beat them was you, I think that's a very good result and obviously keeps them uh, firmly in third place in the league. 
And my final winner is West Ham to come from behind. Given what a poor start you've had to the season, uh, I think that's really impressive. And we know that West Ham are better than what we, we've seen so far this season. Uh, they'll be particularly disgusted with defeats to the likes of Everton. And I think now we will see West Ham climb the league. It's funny, they're only five points behind Manchester United, four points behind Chelsea. Now, both of those teams do have a game in hand, but it just shows how condensed the league table is at this early stage and why you really shouldn't buy anything into it. Liverpool are 14 points behind Arsenal with the game in hand. They were 14 points behind Manchester excuse me, Manchester City in January and came within a point of the league title. So, you know, what happens in these early stages obviously does shape the season, but there's nothing to really judge much on. Uh, Losers from the weekend, I think you've got to start with Leicester. Another game where they go ahead and throw it away. You would have hoped that the win against... Forest was a catalyst to see them find some form and get their season started, but no. Uh, no, repeating the same mistakes that they've been making all year long. And we're now on Tuesday, and I really don't understand why the board are sitting on their hands. Um, I think Villa, I know they didn't lose, but this was a game they really had to win. You've got to start putting wins together. Like Gerard can come out and say, what is it that he said? We need headline writers. Like, what does that even mean? You spent far too long with Brendan Rogers and you're turning into David Brent. Utter nonsense. You need to do better. Stop picking the same players that are letting you down. Stop running back the same tactics that haven't worked. He needs to do better because the otherwise the headline that's written will be Villa sack Gerard. And my final loser of the weekend has got to be Brentford. It has to be Brentford. Uh, what an appalling performance! To to just gift three goals the way they did is absolutely shocking. Losing to Newcastle at St James's is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, but losing in that manner and gifting them three goals, that is very, very shameful. So, yeah, they're the third loser of the weekend. Uh, tonight, we have Champions League football. We have eight games, two early, six late. The two early games are at quarter to six UK time. Maccabee Haifa at home to Juve. Obviously, these are the return legs of the games played last week. Juve beat Maccabee uh, 3-1 in Turin and will be looking to do similar. They did lose at the weekend to Milan in Milan, uh, so they'll be wanting to bounce back. Maccabee did lose themselves at the weekend to uh, Neyreina, who are a team I'm not very familiar with. Another one of the Maccabee, I think there's three or four Maccabees in the in the Israeli top league. So um 
yeah, they're going to need to turn things around. Uh, it's not looking good for them as things stand. Uh, Copenhagen versus Manchester City. Obviously, these sides met at the Etihad last week and Copenhagen won. No, sorry, City won 5-0. Uh, at the weekend, uh, they drew 1-1 with Nordlesjand. Uh, quite unfortunate not to get the win there. Looks like they dominated the game. And there was a late goal. I've seen the clip of that goal. and The, the defensive work is um, leaving a, an awful lot to be desired. Uh, City, oh, they just ran through Southampton at the weekend and will expect to just run through uh, the Danes tonight. So those are your two early games. The late games then, we've got 8 o'clock kickoffs. PSG Benfica. These two played out a good game last weekend, or last week, I should say. Uh, and a 1-1 draw in Lisbon. PSG then drew 0-0 with Reims at the weekend. Sergio Ramos, yet another red card for the collection. Um, so PSG now, without a win in two, that's a crisis at PSG, but I'm sure they'll bounce back. They'll need to because they've got Marseille at the weekend, and Mar Marseille are the one team that look like maybe they might be able to challenge them this season in the uh, French League. We'll talk more about that after the break. Uh, Marseille did lose at the weekend, it's worth pointing out. Um, Benfica beat Rio Ave at the weekend 4-2. Uh, Goncalo Ramos continued his excellent start of the season with two goals there. Um, and Benfica are having a, a really good domestic season on top of a, of a solid Champions League season thus far. Uh, Dinamo Zagreb against Red Bull Salzburg. Last week, these sides met in Salzburg and the game ended 1-0 to the home team. Dinamo's, home, uh, sorry, Dinamo's game at the weekend was postponed. Salzburg, on the other hand, they beat Altac 3-2 away from home. Um, Vober, Poita and Adumu scoring the goals for them. Dortmund against Sevilla. Dortmund went to Seville and trounced them last week, a 4-1 win. Followed that up with a 2-2 draw against Bayern Munich. They fell 2-0 down. Uh, Mukoko and Modeste with late goals, a 95th minute goal uh, by Modeste to give Dortmund a draw. Kingsley Coleman sent off in the 90th minute for being a bit of a wally. Um, so Dortmund are in, you know, Dortmund will be confident after the win last week and a good draw at the weekend against Bayern. Dortmund will be confident. Sevilla, they drew with Athletic Club at the weekend. Um, they obviously sacked their manager last week. Uh, Julian Lopetegui was dismissed as the coach of Sevilla, and he has been replaced by Sampoli. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you'd have to make Dortmund a strong favourite to win that game tonight. Milan against Chelsea. Milan, disappointing performance last week at the bridge. 3-0 win for Chelsea. But Milan bounced back at the weekend. They beat Juventus 2-0. They're getting some of their players back. It looks like they'll have a stronger team tonight than they did last week. Chelsea followed up that good win over Milan with a good win over Wolves. 
starting to score some goals, starting to look a bit more confident, and they'll be looking to carry that on this weekend. Um, Shakhtar versus Real Madrid. Madrid won 2-1 last week in Madrid. Shakhtar's game at the weekend called off. Uh, so they will be, I suppose, fresher than Real. Uh, Real snuck by Hitafe at the weekend, an early Eder Militao goal, and that was all she wrote. That should be a good game. And then the final game is Celtic versus Leipzig. Really disappointing result for Celtic last week. Uh, a 3-1 defeat. But as I said at the time, if you look at the valuations of the squad, there were five players in that Leipzig squad that cost over 20 million and Celtic have never spent over 10 million on a player. Um, Celtic bounced back at the weekend. They beat St. Johnston at 2-1, but they made it really tough for themselves. Considine put Celtic one up, uh, an own goal, put Celtic one up on 42 minutes. Celtic opened up St. Johnston three or four times and really should have had the game put to bed. Alex Mitchell equalises for St. Johnston in the 93rd minute and Giacomokas scores in the 95th minute to give Celtic a win that really should never have been in doubt. Uh, as far as Leipzig go, new manager obviously there, Marco Rose, still putting his imprint on the team. A 1-1 draw away to Mainz. Uh, Christopher Nkunku with an 80-minute equaliser to give... Leipzig a share of the spoils. So they should be some good games tonight. I think PSG Benfica is probably the game of the night. But I think Dortmund Sevilla, Milan Chelsea, Shakhtar against Real and Celtic against Leipzig are all really watchable games. So is Dinamo versus Salzburg if you want to watch from the point of view of seeing some really promising young players. Um, it's the two early games, really, that are less interesting. Juve are just turgid to watch. And look, no offence, but does anybody really want to watch City score six past Copenhagen? Unless you're a City fan, does anyone want to watch that? Because it, not to say it's boring, but it, it is getting a bit boring watching them just batter everybody. Um, just give them all the trophies now and let's all just take the rest of the year off. And I can turn this podcast into just, you know, some random thoughts. I have thoughts, some some very random ones. Um, but yeah, like some, some good games tonight. And um, I think tonight is probably the better of the two nights. There's some okay games tomorrow night, but I think tonight is the better of the two nights in the Champions League. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to take a run around Europe and see what's happened at the weekend. See you then. Right, welcome back. So, let's take a run around Europe and see what took place over the weekend. We'll start with the Bundesliga Friday night. Hoffenheim 1, Werder Bremen 2. Outstanding result for Werder. Uh, Marvin Dutch put them one up. Munis de Boer equalised for Hoffenheim with an 87th minute penalty from Nicholas Fulkrug gave Werder a well-deserved victory. Uh, I say well-deserved because I'm biased. Uh, Bochum 3, Eintracht Frankfurt nil. This is a shambolic result for Eintracht Frankfurt because Bochum had been awful all season, hadn't won a game, and pumped you 3-0. Um, 
Philip Hoffman and Evan and Dicka own goal and Philip Forster gave Bochum their first one of the season. Great result for them, but that, that is awful for uh for Eintracht. Sh uh, Bayer Leverkusen four. Schalke nil. First game for Xabi Alonso and a dominant performance. Musa Diaby on 38 minutes. Two for Jeremy Frimpong, either side of half time. And then Paulinho off the bench with a fourth dominant, dominant display by Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Alonso had them line up with a back three and it worked really well. They had great movement. They had great interchanging. Much of that is in place because of the fellow who was there beforehand, Gerardo Sione, who I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes next. Um, but, you know, credit to Alonso. He seems to have instilled uh, some confidence in the team quite quickly. Augsburg won, Wolfsburg won. Mainz won, Leipzig won, mentioned that one. Dortmund two, Bayern two. Mönchengladbach five, Cologne two. Uh, an unusual amount of goals for Mönchengladbach to score. They need, normally score one or two per game because, you know, why would you score any more than that? Um, but that would be a big confidence-boosting win for them because it had been, you know, a bit of a hit-and-miss start to the season, but that's two wins out of three, and hopefully they can uh, carry on the momentum because I like when Mönchengladbach are good. Um Hertha Berlin 2, Freiburg 2. Freiburg continue their excellent start to the season. And then you have Stuttgart 0, Union Berlin 1. Uh, Berlin are top of the league. Union Berlin are top of the league. And Hertha Berlin, who spend many, many, many more, many, many, many times more money on players and wages and all the rest, are in 14th. So that is hilarious. Uh, Berlin are top. Freiburg second. Bayern third. Dortmund fourth. Level on points with Bayern. Werder Bremen in fifth. Gladbach in sixth. Hoffenheim seventh. Eintracht down in eighth. Leipzig in 11th. Wolfsburg 13th. Hertha 14th. Leverkusen 15th. Schalke 16, that's three defeats in a row. And Stuttgart in 17. I, I can see some managerial changes coming at those two big, big clubs. Like Schalke and Stuttgart are two of the biggest clubs in Germany. There is no way they're going to accept being 16th and 17th in the league. They are going to make changes uh, to try and get themselves out of the mess they have made. Into Serie A then. Sassuolo won Inter 2. Good win for Inter. Two goals for Eden Dzeko at either side of uh, Davide Fratesi's equaliser. I really like him. He's a very good player. Milan 2, Juve 0. Fikayo Tomori and Brahim Diaz with an outstanding individual goal. Bologna won, Sampdoria won. Torino won, Empoli won. Sasa Lukic with a late, late equaliser for Torino. Udinese 2, Atalanta 2. Uh, this game was funny. So Adam Olaluckman scored and then did that glasses celebration that he's always done and got booked for it. He got booked for celebrating. 
He didn't take his shirt off. He didn't incite the crowd. He didn't jump into the crowd. He didn't do anything. He just did his normal celebration and got booked for it. Absolutely bizarre behavior by a referee that has a little bit of power and has lost the run of himself. Um, Luis Muriel put Atalanta two up and it looked like they were going to just put that one to bed. But Gerard Delefeu scored for Udinese on 67 and Nehuen Perez equalized for them on 78. And this outstanding start of the season that Udinese have had just keeps going. Just keeps going. Credit to them. Really impressive. Uh, Monza 2, Spezia 0. Pablo Mari, Arsenal Loney, scoring one of the goals for Monza. Salernitana 2, Verona 1. Late, late drama in that one. Uh, Dia with a goal in the 94th minute to give Salernitana the, the lead. And then a little bit of a scuffle saw two players sent off in the 97th minute. Uh, Cremonese 1, Napoli 4, Politano, Simeone, Lozano and Oliveira with the goals for Napoli. Two late goals to be fair, but they had been uh, fairly dominant in the game. They were comfortably the better team. Uh, Roma 2, Lecce 1, Chris Smalling with the goal and then Paolo Dybala with a penalty on 48. Now, there is some really bad news coming out of this game, which is that Paolo Dybala got injured and it looks like he might miss the World Cup as a result. Um, it looks like it could be a torn muscle. So he might miss the World Cup, which would be demoralizing for him. Really, really bad for him. Uh, Fiorentina nil, Lazio 4. Dominant win for Lazio. Uh, Vicino Sicagni, Luis Alberto and Chiro Immobile Coral Fiorentina are having a bit of a mare this season. Napoli are top 23 points. Atalanta second with 21. Lazio third on 20. Udinese fourth on 20. Milan fifth on 20. Roma sixth on 19. And then it's a gap to Inter who are seventh with 15 points. Juve eighth with 13 points. Uh, if anyone thought we'd see Inter and Juve 8 and 10 points off top at this point in the season, I'd be surprised. Uh, down the bottom, Sampdoria, three points uh, from their nine games. Cremonese, also three points. Verona, with five points. Uh, though they've lost four in a row and, and are pointing firmly down. Not looking good for the likes of Samp down there, unfortunately. We'll jump into Spain next, and we'll start with Osasuna 1, Valencia 2. Uh, Justin Clivert, who was, if you remember, due to go to Fulham, that fell through, and Mukhtar Diaby with the goals for Osasuna. Diaby was then sent off in the 90th minute. Uh, Almeria 3, Rayo Vallecano 1. Great win for Almeria there. Atletico Madrid 2. Girona 1. Uh, two goals for Angel Correa. Sevilla 1. Athletic Club 1. Oliver Torres with an early goal for Sevilla. Vesga equalised. There's absolutely no doubt that Athletic Club were the better team in that game. Uh, it would be foolish to suggest. Otherwise, Hitafe 1. Real Madrid 
Sorry, Hatafe nil, Real Madrid won. Edin Militao with that early goal. Valladolid nil, Real Betis nil. Cadiz 2, Espanyol 2. Noticing how many red cards there were in La Liga this weekend. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 red cards in 10 games. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, Real Sociedad won. Villarreal nil, Bryas Mendes with the only goal of the game. Barcelona won, Celta Vigo nil, Pedri with the only goal in that one. And Elche won, Mallorca won, uh, Ezekiel Ponce scored for Elche. Mariki equalised for Mallorca. He was then sent off later in the game. And Lucas Boye was also sent off for Elche. Top of the table sit Barcelona on goal difference. They've still only conceded one goal from eight games this season. That's really, really impressive. Uh, Barcelona, or sorry, Real Madrid second, also 22 points. Athletic Club third with 17. Atletico Madrid fourth with 16. Real Betis fifth with 16. Real Sociedad sixth with 16. Valencia seventh with 13. Villarreal down in ninth. That's not a good look for... Dracula. Uh, Elche bottom, two points. Cadiz 19th, five points. Sevilla in 18th with only six points this season. Espanyol 17th, six points. Um, then there's three teams on seven points. Look, one win for Sevilla will launch them up out of that mess, but it's, it's a bit of a mess right now. Uh, we'll go to France where we have Leon won, Toulouse won. Uh, Kenny, no, not Kenny Tete. It's just Tete, the Brazilian. Uh, he scores for Leon. Rateo scores for Toulouse in 67 to equalize. Leon will believe that was two points thrown away. Marseille won, Ajeco two. A disappointing result for Marseille, who'd started the season so well. Uh, Leonardo Bellardi with an own goal, giving Ajeco the win. Uh, Reims nil, PSG nil, Montpellier nil, Monaco two, Breland Bolo and Myron Boadu with the goals from Monaco. Uh, nice three, Tro Th Troyes two, uh, Nicolas Pepe, he's been in good form recently. That's back-to-back -back games now he's scored in. Uh, so credit to Nice for a good win there. Brest one, Laurent two. Laurent obviously the biggest surprise package in Europe, I would say, this season. I can't think of anybody else that's having uh, as much of an overperforming season in comparison to what the expectations were. Angers 2, Strasbourg 3. Uh, Kevin Gamero is still playing, if you weren't aware. He opened the scoring in that one for Strasbourg. Clermont Foot 2, Auxerre 1. Rennes 3, Nantes 0. Rennes are just so much fun. Just so much fun. Just please do yourself the favour whenever you get a chance and just watch this team play. There is so much talent in this squad. It's it's almost unfair on other teams how much talent there is 
in this squad and how they continue to produce and find exceptional talent. If you remember during the week, they played Dinamo Kiev and 17-year-old Desiree Doy scored. Well, he scored again in this game. And uh, he just looks like a sensational talent. You've got Lovromeyer coming off the bench in that game. You've got Kamaldine Suleimana coming off the bench. Young Leslie, the holding midfielder, another big talent. You've got Amin Guri and Kalimundo up front. Martin Terrier off the left. I mean, you're not finding that level of attacking talent in many places. Creativity, pace, goals, it's all there. Um, not in love with their defense or goalkeeper, but they're they're a lot of fun. If we oh sorry, then Aleel beat Len 1-0. Uh Jonathan David penalty, the only goal of the game. PSG are top. With 26 points. Laurent are second with 25 points. Marseille are third. 23 points. Len fourth. 21 points. Um, Monaco fifth. 20 points. Ren are sixth on 18 points. And then Lille seventh. Leon in ninth. That's. Has Peter Bowles been sacked yet? Lauren Blunt's got the job, I think. Yes. Right? Yes, he was sacked. He was sacked on Sunday by the looks of it. Uh, Lauren Blanc as manager. I'm not sure that's going to go well. I'm really not sure that's going to go well. Um, he did, to his credit, he did really good work at Bordeaux. And he did look like he was going to be a top-end manager. Then he had a failed stint with France. He managed PSG and he did what you do at PSG. He won every, everything domestically. Um, had a dreadful time with El Rayan in Qatar. That was his last job. I don't know. I don't know how he'll do, but there's, there's some questionable things about him as well that I'm not. Not overly fond of. Um, but if he's look, if he does as good a job as he did at Bordeaux and, and for times at PSG, then he'll be a success. I don't know how Peter Bowles keeps getting jobs. I understand he plays fun football, but he you just keep getting sacked everywhere you go. Into Portugal then. And we have uh Gil Valente, Gil Vicente, nil. Estoril 1, Santa Clara 1, Sporting 2. Hopefully Sporting will use this as a springboard to get their season back on track. Uh, Porto Menens 0, Porto 2. Um, Benfica 4, Rio Ave 2. Mentioned that earlier. Uh, Pacos Ferreira 0, Vitoria 1. Boa Vista 1, Maritimo uh, 1. Sorry. Casapia 0, Vizela won. That's a disappointing result because Casapia were going really well up until that one. They are fourth in the league. Braga nil, Chavez won. Braga, really disappointing because, again, going really well. That's back-to-back defeats now against teams that I think they should be beating. They should be beating Union St. Gilles. 
and they should be beating Chavez. Now, it is three defeats in a row if you count the Porto game, but I, I wouldn't expect them to beat Porto. But I would have expected them to win the last, both of the last two, and if not win, at least get something from the games. Um, Arauco four, Familiao one. Familiao are in trouble, having a really poor season. Benfica top twenty five points. Porto second twenty two. Braga third with nineteen. Casapia fourth with seventeen. And Sporting starting to climb again. They are up to fifth with 16 points. I don't think it'll be too long before they're third. I don't think they've got a chance to winning the league this year, but Ruben Amorim just making sure people put more respect on his name. Boa Vista in six. Down the bottom, you've got Maritimo with one point. Santa Clara, sorry, Pacos Ferreira with two points. Santa Clara with five and Familiar with seven. So not as bad as I thought it was for them, but um, it is four defeats in five for them, which... Is relegation form if we're talking honestly. Uh, we'll do the Erie division before we come back closer to home. Groningen two, Walwick so, three, Volendam two, Ix four, Dusan Tadic, Calvin Bassi, Brian Brobby, and Davy Classen with the goals. Ix could do with finding some form before uh, tomorrow night's game against Napoli. Sparta Rotterdam three, Emin one. NEC 1, Excelsior 1, Go Ahead Eagles 0, Cambor 0, Feyenoord 2, 20 0. 20 had been having a pretty good season, so it's a bit of a disappointment. But Ergen Koku with another goal, he is really one to watch. Keep an eye on him. Really, really big prospect. Uh, Utrecht 1, Alkmaar 2. Good win for Alkmaar on the road. Uh, Heron V 0. PSV Eindhoven won. Cody Gakbo with a nice goal in that one. Vietas won. Fortuna Stittard two. Uh, a good win away from home for Fortuna. We have Alkmaar top, keeping up that good form. Uh, Ajax second. PSV third. Feyenoord fourth. Twente now fifth. Um, and there's a drop from Feyenoord to them of four points. Whereas only three points separate Alkmaar and Feyenoord. 23, 22, 21, 20. And then to 16th. Uh, bottom of the table is Volendam. They have five points. Emin have five. Vitas Arnhem have five. Groningen have eight. Cambor have eight. And Go Ahead Eagles have eight. So any one of them could get dragged into that relegation zone. But the promising thing for them right now is that Vitas Emin... Emin, Vietas, Emin, and Volendam just can't stop conceding goals. Um, we'll take a look at the championship then while we're moving around. QPR beat Reading 2-1 on Friday. Uh, Lyndon Dykes with two goals. Andy Carroll scored for Reading. Swansea beat Sunderland 2-1. Ollie Cooper and Harry Darling with the goals for Swansea. Jack Clark, formerly of Leeds and Spurs. Scoring for Sunderland. Blackpool beat Watford 3-1. Gary Medine and two by Jerry Yates. Imran Luza with the goal for Watford. So uh, Slavin Bilic not having the instant impact the owners would have hoped. West Brom nil, Luton nil, and then Steve Bruce sacked. Birmingham three, Bristol nil. Austin Trusty with two and Dion Sanderson uh, with the third. 
Stoke 3, Sheffield United 1. Really good win for Stoke. Ben Wilmot, Phil Jagielka and Liam Delap with the goals there. Ryan Brewster with the consolation goal for uh, Sheffield United. It's a good result for Alex Neal. Blackburn 3, Rotherham 0. Ben Brayton-Diaz with 2. And Sammy Zmodix, I think is the pronunciation, but it's probably wrong. With the goals for Blackburn, uh, Coventry won. Sorry, Coventry nil, Burnley won. Uh, on loan, Nathan Teller with the only goal for Burnley. Millwall two, Middlesbrough nil. Uh, Zion Fleming with the two goals. Norwich two, Preston three. This is a great result for Preston. Uh, Josh Sargent put Norwich one up. Jakobsen put Preston level and then 2-1 ahead. Gabriel Sarah scores for Norwich on 76 to equalise, but then a Troy Parrott goal on 80 gives Preston a huge win. Wigan Athletic 1, Coventry City 3. Charlie Wyke, Wick, Wyke with the goal for Wigan, but it was only a consolation. Callum Robinson, Shea Ojo, and Ryan Wintle with the goals for Cardiff. Huddersfield 2, Hull City 0, Louis Coyle and Michael Hillick with the goals, could be Hillick, with the goals for Huddersfield. Uh, the table, Sheffield United top, Norwich second, and both of them lost. They have 24 points, as do QPR. Burnley, are fourth on 21 points. Notable that, sorry, 22 points, I should say. Notable that Burnley have only lost one game this season, but they've far too many draws. Um, Reading are fifth, despite losing five games, because the championship is mental. They've got 22 points. Swansea sixth on 21 points. And apparently this is proof that Russell Martin's a really good manager, despite the fact that they were awful last season under him. Uh, Blackburn, 7th, 21 points. Preston, 8th, with 19 points. And then Luton, Cardiff, Sunderland and Watford make up the rest of the top half. At the bottom, it is Coventry with 7 points from 10 games. They do have 3 games in hand, but they really need to get their act together. Then Huddersfield on 11 points. West Brom on 11 points. Huddersfield have a game in hand there. Uh, Middlesbrough. Fourth from bottom on 13 points, then Hull, Blackpool, and Bristol. And I suppose Rotherham are the teams that might be nervously looking over their shoulder into League One. Oxford nil, Wickham won. That was a Friday, that was Saturday's game, yeah. Derby won, Port Vale two, disappointing result. For Derby, James Collins scored and got sent off. Plymouth Argyle 3, Accrington Stanley 0. Two red cards in that one. Shrewsbury 2, MK Dons 1. Another red card there for MK Dons. Bristol Rovers 2, Cambridge 1. Lincoln City 0, Charlton Athletic 0. Morecambe 1, Ipswich Town 2. Ipswich are playing some very impressive football. Uh, Portsmouth 1, Fleetwood Town 1, Peterborough 1, 
Burton Albion 1. Barnsley 0, Exeter City 2. Forest Green 1, Bolton Wanderers 0. Connor Wickham with the only goal of the game for Forest Green. And Sheffield Wednesday 3, Cheltenham 0. So, league table. Plymouth top 31 points. Ipswich second, 30 points. Sheffield Wednesday third on 26. Portsmouth fourth on 22. Barnsley fifth on 20. Bolton sixth on 20. Peterborough seventh on 19. Exeter eighth on 18. Shrewsbury are ninth on 18. Derby are 10th with 17. But Derby have a game in hand on some teams and two games on other teams. Portsmouth, I should have pointed out, also have two games in hand on, on the teams above them. So if they were to win their two games in hand, they would go above uh, Sheffield Wednesday and be within touching distance of Ipswich and Plymouth. Uh, down the bottom, we've got Morecambe bottom on seven points. Burton Albion, 23rd on eight points. MK Dons with 10 points. Now they have a couple of games in hand. And Forest Green, in 21st with 11 points. Oxford also have 11 points. Bristol have tw- Bristol Rovers have 12 points. Um, and I suppose you could include Charlton here, who are on a bad run without a win in five games. 18th place on 13 points. We will lastly do League 2. And if I can find the bits, there we go. Uh, Northampton won. Gary Neville's financially doped Salford City won. Ethan Galbraith in on loan from Manchester United. I wonder if that's the best move for his career to be playing League Two football. Uh, Doncaster won, Leighton Orient won, Stevenage two, Swindon Town nil, Walsall three, AFC Wimbledon one. Always keep an eye on AFC Wimbledon because I, I love the story of the club and obviously the old Wimbledon. Um, always a club to kind of have a, a soft spot for. Uh, Crew Alexandra, another club I do have a soft spot for. One, Gillingham one. Another club I have a soft spot for is Tranmere, and they beat Sutton United 2-0. Uh, it's not because of their proximity to Liverpool. It's purely because of John Aldridge. Uh, speaking of John Aldridge, he, he claimed that Jordan Henderson was not a defensive midfielder. He was a creative midfielder like Thiago in his... Uh, in his most recent column. So I might have to just bin off any soft spot for John Aldridge with that nonsense. Uh, Grimsby three, Crawley nil. Used to go to Crawley on the regular. Um, Odd bunch of fans. Hartlepool one, Carlisle three. Bradford City nil, Stockport one. Barrow nil, Mansfield Town one. Newport County nil, Rochdale one. Colchester two, Harrogate one, Stevenage are top thirty-one points. Leighton Orient second on twenty-nine. Northampton third on twenty-six. Gary Neville, Gary Neville's financially doped Salford City are fourth on twenty-four. Uh, Mansfield are fifth on twenty-three. Bradford are sixth on twenty-one. Carlisle, Doncaster, and Barrow all also have twenty-one. Uh, Swindon Town, shout out to Paul Sterrett. They're 10th on 20 points. Then Grimsby and Tranmere on 19. 
Crew have 13 points. Um, Crowley at bottom with six points. Rochdale and Harrogate have eight points each. Colchester and Hartlepool have nine. Gillingham and Newport have 11. And I know what you're asking. Why aren't you doing the National League? So I will do the National League. Because why not? Um, What do we have at the weekend? Dagenham and Redbridge, or as they used to be known in the early rounds of the FA Cup back in the day, the mighty Dagenham and Redbridge. Uh, one South End one, Scunthorpe three, Aldershot three, York City one, Torquay nil, Bromley one, Gateshead one, Wheelstone one, Boreham two, Woking two. Notts County 3. Can we please, please, please have Notts County back in the Football League? Uh, Altrincham 4. Dorking Wanderers 1. Wonderful name. Maidstone United 1. Halifax 1. Maidenhead 1. Oldham Athletic 1. Again, can we please have Oldham back in the Football League? Yeovil 1. Solihull Moors 0. Eastleigh 2. Chesterfield won. And then the most mental game of the weekend. Wrexham 7, Barnet 5. What a game of football. Uh, obviously awful defensively, but you're not going to complain about 12 goals. Uh, Aaron Hayden with 2, Thomas O'Connor with 1, Paul Mullen with 2, Luke Young with 1, and Ollie Palmer with 1 for Wrexham. Uh, Nicky Kabamba with two for Barnett, Harry Pritchard with one, and Idris Kanu with the other two. So that is your goal scores in that game. Notts County are top, 30 points from 13 games. Wrexham second. Again, their team I'd like to see uh, back in the Football League. Boreham Wood are third. Chesterfield fourth. Bromley are fifth. Solihull Moors are sixth. York City are 7th, Woking are 8th. Oldham are all the way down in 18th. Jesus wept. Uh, Torquay are bottom, Scunthorpe, Aldershot, Maidstone, Halifax, Gateshead, and then Oldham. That's the uh, that's the bottom 7. It's, it's really tough seeing a club like Oldham, who were in the top flight in my lifetime for a couple of years. Um, struggling so badly. It's always really tough to see proper old-school football clubs having been horrendously run by people that have no business being involved in football just fall so far. We'll do the gossip and we'll be out of here for today. Atletico Madrid are interested in signing Roberto Firmino. Wouldn't surprise me. Leicester are keeping tabs on Donny van de Beek. Could be a decent replacement for Tielemans. Very different type of player. But with the um, emergence of Dewsbury Hall over the last 18 months, uh, could be a good balance there. Gabriel Martinelli is in talks to sign a long-term contract with Arsenal and could potentially get uh, double the 50 grand he's currently on. Martinelli wants parity with Arsenal's top owners about 200 grand a week before he commits to a new deal 
says the Mail. Liverpool have no intention of triggering the option to buy a clause in Arthur Mello's season-long loan. Uh, this is from CBS Sports. I'm assuming it's that Ben Jacobs Muppet. Um, he doesn't have... Uh, yeah, you have absolutely no clue. You've absolutely no clue. I mean, this fella has no contacts at Liverpool. So he's the same idiot that came out and said, oh, the people I speak to at Liverpool tell me that they like to sit at home on deadline day and laugh. He doesn't speak to anybody at Liverpool. Anybody. Uh, Brentford are set to hand Ivan Tony a new contract. I I just don't see that he'll sign that because I think he's going to have offers to go to bigger clubs. Everton have opened talks with Alex Awobi over a new deal and I probably deserve based on how he's played this season. N'Golo Kante wants to stay at Chelsea despite being linked to PSG. Chelsea and Italy midfielder Jorginho could move to the new camp next season. Uh, I just don't see it. I really don't see that one. Newcastle remain interested in James Madison and Moussa Diaby. That's not news. That's just regurgitation. Uh, Middlesbrough are in advanced talks with Michael Carrick about becoming the new manager. Uh, Chelsea have made fresh contact with Michael Edwards about filling the position of sporting director at the Blues. Um, it's 90minute.com. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying anything that you're selling. Um, Tottenham are in talks with Google over naming rights for their stadium. That would be quite cool. Uh, Romeo Beckham is set to make his debut in English football when Brentford B take on Crew in a behind-closed-doors friendly on Saturday. Former Huddersfield boss Carlos Corboran is an early frontrunner to become the West Brom manager. I mean, this poor fella. He does poorly in his first season at Huddersfield. Turns it around and has an excellent second season. Then he quits. Gets the job as Olympiacos manager. And then he gets sacked after 11 games. Um, you have to feel for him a little bit. He could be a decent appointment for West Brom. He, he could be a decent appointment. Uh, next month's World Cup could face disruption. As Qatar's main airport is not ready to cope. With the mass influx of passengers travelling to attend the tournament. Uh, is anyone surprised by this? Uh, Chelsea's 18-year-old American goalkeeper, Gabrielle Slanina, who is on loan at Chicago Fire, will train in London for two weeks while they decide whether he will link up with the squad permanently in January or return to MLS for a second loan spell. My guess is he'll go back to MLS because what are they going to do? They've got Mendy and they've got Kepa and they can't get rid of either of them. PSV Eindhoven winger Cody Gakpo is no longer interested in a move to Leeds despite agreeing personal terms over the summer. Arsenal, Manchester United and Real Madrid have shown interest. It's from the mirror. So with the greatest respect to Tom Malley, I've never heard of you. So I'm just going to call nonsense on that one because uh, his agent was seen at Leeds two weeks ago. So, you know, Um yeah. Ornstein is the one who's reporting that the Google thing is real and 
they are meaningful talks, apparently, over the naming rights. It's probably the best stadium. In the, well, it is the best stadium in the country. And um, I, I think it would make a lot of sense for them to seek out a club like or a, a club like um, a, a company like Google to do naming rights. Klein move, sorry, the bottom line in this part is an agreement would additionally be a triumph for Todd Klein, Tottenham's first ever chief commercial officer. How is he your first ever chief commercial officer? Klein moved to North London from the US and while working at the Miami Dolphins, helped the NFL side land a naming rights deal for their stadium worth $250 million over 18 years. I mean, yeah, but the Dolphin Stadium, isn't that the Hard Rock Stadium? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the Hard Rock Stadium. So you signed it with the Hard Rock Cafe. Um, They've done really good work. It must be said, it's completely irrelevant to, to anything football related. But the um, the Dolphin Stadium is, is an old stadium. It was the Joe Robbie Stadium. It's been named a bunch of different things. And it was a bit of a rundown kip. But they've done a really good job at renovating it. They've added a new a new roof and all new seating and new amenities and all that. And they've actually made it look fairly good. So fair play to them for that. Uh, Ornstein has said that the Gakpo deal is in doubt because of his good start to the season. Um, fair enough. But I'm, it, I'm not, say, not buying that he doesn't want to go there anymore. Uh, United trying to resolve reduction in tickets for the Chelsea game. Arsenal's Patino contract dilemma. It's Charlie Patino, obviously, sensational player. Uh, he's been really good for Blackpool so far this season. So what's the dilemma? His contract ends next summer. There is an option to extend it by two years that must be exercised prior to a set date in the months ahead. Otherwise, it will expire and leave a negotiation. Renegotiation is the only possibility. How is this a dilemma? Arsenal need to just make sure they don't let this kid go. He is immense. Absolutely immense. Um, he's also eligible to play for Spain, which is curious. Dougie Friedman has gotten a new contract at Crystal Palace. No plans for UK cities to host fan zones during the World Cup. That's disappointing. That's a bit disappointing. Thought that could have been good. Shakhtar and Dinamo in London effort. Despite a full-scale inv invasion by Russia earlier this year, the Ukrainian Premier League has resumed this season with matches being played behind closed doors and sometimes disrupted by the sounds of air sirens uh, interrupting proceedings. Mental. Um, next week, the country's two largest clubs, Shakhtar Donetsk and Dinamo Kiev, are set to face off. And in recent months, attempts have been made to take the headline fixture of the Ukrainian League to an audience of English football fans. 
The idea was both to allow the fixture to be played in front of supporters and offer British football supporters the opportunity to show support for the Ukrainian war effort. The Athletic understands that initial talks with the London Stadium, home to West Ham, led to optimism, but these talks slowed down following the death of Queen Elizabeth. This led the Ukrainians to submit a request to Chelsea to use Stamford Bridge for the fixture as Chelsea play away from home next weekend. Uh, Todd Bowley was keen to make it work. Chelsea felt there was insufficient time. Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, they tried then for Loftus Road, which is a great stadium. Love Loftus Road. And now it looks like the game is going to be played in Ukraine. So congrats to everybody who made a mess of that. Uh, Manchester City sports science chief is set to leave. Southampton eye Miami training camp during the World Cup. Um yeah, so there's all your news and your gossip, and uh, that's enough from me today. I'll stop talking now. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.